Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week we wrap up our 10-week teaching series, There's More. Our big idea is have a holy discontent with your friendship with God. We're going to look at a verse found in John chapter 10. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Ever heard of Pinterest? It's a real question. Pinterest is a site that is all about giving and sharing of ideas so people can look at stuff and know what they might be able to build or design or even bake. Now, I don't spend any time on Pinterest. That's just not my thing. But I came across something this past week that is absolutely fantastic. It's called Pinterest Fail. And I've been having a lot of fun on Pinterest Fail this week because This is a site that is dedicated to all of the people that have tried stuff on Pinterest and it hasn't exactly worked and so now they put up pictures of the results. So let me share some examples with you. On Pinterest, you can find deviled eggs, right? And you can make that and you can see the picture and they give you all of the steps to take so you can make these lovely looking creatures. But here is Pinterest fail. Yeah, not so good. Or you can go to Pinterest and you can find a great jello mold with full colors and it just looks spectacular, but here is Pinterest fail. Yeah. Or if you like to make cakes for birthday parties, you might try this example at Pinterest. It's a beautiful fire truck for the Anderson family sitting right in the front here. But if you look at Pinterest fail, yeah, not sure. There's also a whole section of Pinterest that is given to photographers so they can get ideas about how to pose and do different things. And there's a baby section. And if you go there, you can see a great pose for a baby on Pinterest. But here's Pinterest fail, right? (laughs) That's reality. And perhaps my favorite is the Pinterest example of a baby picture where you put all kinds of kisses on them. Looks cute, right? Here's Pinterest fail. (laughs) So there's Pinterest, and then there is the reality. There is Pinterest fail. I would say, as we try to live for Christ as we try to follow his example and do what he wants us to do, if you are anything like me, often I feel like I am failing in that venture. I just don't quite measure up. And there are the pictures of success, and here's what it's supposed to look like, and here's what you're supposed to be doing, and we see those items, and we try to emulate that, but often what we discover is a little bit of failure along the way and we get discouraged and we just kind of give up trying to live for Christ. There is Pinterest and then there's Pinterest fail. And again, if you're like me, often it seems like we hang out on the fail side of things. Here's our big idea for today and this is what I really want to spend our time kind of unpacking and thinking about, and that is, have a holy discontent with your friendship with God. Have a holy agitation with where you might be today 
Don't settle. Don't be satisfied with that, but have this holy discontent or this agitation that I can do a little bit better if I discipline myself and if I follow the example of what we discover in Scripture about spiritual disciplines. In John chapter 10, and if you have a Bible or a smart device, you can turn there, we discover some incredible words from Jesus. He's actually speaking to a crowd there. And I want you to lean into these words today. We're just going to look at one verse. It's John chapter 10 and verse 10, so that is easy to remember. And when you walk out of here, I want you to think about how we all can live a John 10.10 kind of life. And so Jesus is speaking to a crowd here. And he gives a short statement, but yet it is profound and it is really rich. And it has a lot to say about how we can live our lives in such a way that it just puts a smile on the face of God. So this is good news for all of us. So I want to encourage you just to lean in a bit. Here's what it says. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That word thief is kind of interesting. The original word there is kleptus. And from that word, we get the word klepto or kleptomaniac. And this is obviously an individual who steals. I believe we're talking about Satan here. And so his purpose as a thief, as a kleptus, as a kleptomaniac, is to steal and kill and destroy. That's his mission. That's what he wants to do to anybody who follows Christ. Now, that doesn't sound that encouraging. That doesn't sound that exciting. So Jesus continues, and here's where it gets very interesting and very dynamic. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, let's think about the first part of that phrase. My purpose is to give them Who's them? Well, if you were to go back and read all of chapter 10, which we're not going to take time to do this morning, but I would encourage you to do that on your own because it's an amazing chapter. If you were to go back and read all of the words there, you would discover that Jesus spends a lot of time as he's talking to the crowd, talking about sheep. But he's not really talking about sheep He's using the animal as an illustration or as a picture to talk about something else that he really loves, and that is people. It's us. Well, let's talk about sheep for a few moments. See, for this crowd, that was something that was a part of their culture. So when they heard the words sheep or shepherd or shepherding, that made a lot of sense to them. They got it. They understood that language, and they would have known, oh, well, I have an uncle who is a shepherd. That's what he does. Or I have a son, and that's what he does. Or that's what I do myself. The language of sheep and shepherds and shepherding made a lot of sense to them. So this is a brilliant move on Jesus' part. He looks at his crowd, and he tries to find a way to connect with them, and what will they understand? What will they get What will they comprehend? And they're going to get sheep. It just made a lot of sense to them. Well, this crowd would have also known that sheep are some of the most helpless, defenseless, 
and dirty animals that exist. They would have known that. That made sense to them. And so they would have known that sheep, because they're helpless and they're defenseless, need a shepherd. They need someone who will provide constant care and direction and will move them in the direction where they need to go to be safe and to have food. And so what we discover in John chapter 10 is Jesus looks at the crowd and he says to them, I am the shepherd. Not only am I the shepherd, but I am the good shepherd and the sheep are those that follow me. They are the ones that are obedient to me. Those are the ones that have responded to me. And so what we discover here in John 10.10 is Jesus says, my purpose is to give them. So them as the sheep, those who have responded to the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. It's the Christ followers. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. That's what Jesus said. Those are his words. Sounds great, doesn't it? You can actually nod your head because that's really good news there. So let's think about the words rich and satisfying because, again, this is what Jesus said. His purpose is to come and give his followers a rich and a satisfying life. Well, when you take those words, you can combine them into a phrase that speaks of abundance. So we could say, Jesus came to give people an abundant life. And the original word there is the Greek word perisos. Perisos. You just take the word peri and the word sauce and you put it together and you've got perisos, which speaks of abundance or richness or satisfaction. Will you say that word with me? Here we go. Perisos. One more time. Perisos. Now, for my Italian friends in the room, you might want to say peri gravy because I know you've got a weird thing going on with that. So if that's what you need to say, that's fine. But the rest of us, we're going to focus on peri sauce or abundance. And I want to think about this word for just a second because it is just dripping with all kinds of wonderful meaning for us who have followed Jesus. So here's what peri sauce or abundance means. It means an exceeding number of measure or rank. I mean, it's just really big. It means more than is necessary or exceeding abundantly or it means something further, more, much more than all. And so when you drill down on verse 10, again, a simple verse, but yet very profound, we discover Jesus says that my purpose is not to be a klepto. I'm not here to steal, to kill, or to destroy. My purpose is to give my followers this peri sauce kind of life, this abundant life, this life that is exceeding, that is more than is necessary, that is exceeding abundantly, that is something further, more, much more than all. And by the way, this is not talking about financial abundance. It's not about that at all. It's about the satisfaction and abundance that comes knowing that I am following the good shepherd. That's what we're talking about here. Question. Does that describe the current reality of your life? 
I mean, is there just a sense of richness and satisfaction in following the good shepherd? Would you say that you are experiencing the abundant life as you follow Christ? Or do you feel like maybe you just don't quite measure up to the picture and maybe you would even say, I'm failing. We've been on a journey throughout the summer in a series called There's More. And all summer long, we've been dedicating our time as we've gathered here to look at Scripture and say, we can enjoy And God wants us to have a there's more kind of friendship with him. And when we get into that lane and when we get into that place, our friendship with God can go to a whole new level of there's more kind of friendship. That doesn't happen automatically. It's not like it's just a done deal. There is something that we have to do. There's a sense where we have to get disciplined and we have to give time and attention to the right kinds of things that take this friendship with God to a new level. We call these things spiritual disciplines. And so all summer long, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, and I've introduced eight different disciplines. And there are certainly more than that, but I just kind of thought about where we are as a faith community and where we are as a group, and we've chosen these eight to say, let's give our time to this. Let's take out these different disciplines and kind of just dust them off and give attention to it, and practice these things. And what we've been saying is if we do that, well, we're going to have a there's more kind of friendship with God. We're going to have this John 10.10 life, this abundant, this rich and satisfying life, knowing that we are following the good shepherd. So for the last time, I want to review these eight different disciplines, and then I've got one takeaway to share. All right? So let's think about the different disciplines that we've discussed. We talked about the discipline of celebration. And we said this, live a genuinely joy-filled life. And that's possible. It was during that week that we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on the circumstances around me. And if they're great, then I might be happy. But as soon as those circumstances land me in the tank or the rain comes... I might not be happy with what's happening around me, but I still can have joy and celebration in my life based on the fact that my life is God's gift to me. That's where true joy comes from. So we talked about how we need to give time and attention to celebrating, especially when we don't want to. We talked about the discipline of prayer. We said this, live a wine-free life. Kind of hard to do occasionally because we love to whine, but we can live a wine-free life, and prayer gives us a shot at that. And prayer is this amazing thing that kind of tunes our hearts with God's heart. It can't always be explained. It doesn't always make sense, but that's what happens. And when we begin to pray and when we get better at this, we've got a shot at living a wine-free life. We talked about the discipline of servanthood. And we said living an appropriately small life is actually a big way to live. This is kind of a fun week where we looked at the example of Jesus and how he left heaven and gave up his royal robes and he put on the robe of humility and servanthood. 
And he died in our place, paying the price for our sin. He is the greatest example of being a servant. And we need to be like him. We need to put on this clothing of humility and go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and inconvenience ourselves just a little bit in order to serve the needs of others. That's servanthood. We talked about the discipline of receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit. We said, live a God-directed life. Not a me-directed life, focusing on what I want and what I need, but just live a God-directed life. And then we talked about the discipline of confession, and we said, confession is for our healing. And when we start the process of coming before God and saying, all right, God, I'm going to say the same thing about my junk and my sin as what you would say about it, then Scripture tells us he will forgive and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A really incredible promise that we discover there. And so when we confess, that really begins the healing process in our own lives. And we talked about the discipline of time in Scripture, and we said be a person of one book. It's not that we can't read other books, but let's just dive into Scripture. And what we said on that week is when we get into it more and more, it's like a dessert, it's like honey, and we'll desire more and more when we get into it. Be a person of one book. And we talked about the discipline of evangelism, and I've probably had more feedback and more emails on this particular discipline than any of the rest. And I love receiving those notes because it helps me to know that people are thinking about this. And what we said on that week is that the greatest gift, like the greatest gift, there's nothing better than this. The greatest thing that we can give to another human being is an introduction to the God who loves them. But we have to do that with gentleness and respect. And the way you pull that off is by checking the door. And when you have that conversation with someone, if the door is open, then we walk through with more gentleness and respect. But if we check the door and they're not ready or they're not there in that particular moment, then you respect the door. And that's how we introduce the greatest gift to other people. But we do that with a level of gentleness and respect. Last week, then, I talked about the spiritual discipline of endurance. And I said, keep running toward God, even when you're disappointed and you feel trapped. We looked at the example of Daniel in the lion's den. And he has no hope. And he's probably disappointed in that moment. Like, God, can't you see? All I've done my whole life is please you. And I land in a pit with animals who want to eat me. And I'm trapped. And the stone gets rolled over. And it's just over for Daniel. But yet we discover that even in that moment, he kept running toward God, even when he was probably disappointed and when he felt trapped. And what we find in that chapter is that he came out even without a scratch. These are the disciplines that we've tried to say, okay, let's just focus on these for a little bit. I want to read some emails to you, some notes that I've received from different people who have really been working at this. And I want to read this to you just so that you get a sense. This isn't stuff that I'm just talking about, but these are things and these are disciplines and these are activities that people where you sit, right here in these chairs, they're, they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to improve. And I love the honesty and I love some of the feedback. So let me just read a few of these to you. One person said, it seems like 
since the Sunday where we learned about the spiritual discipline of joy and celebration. I see it in God's word more. Psalm 47 verse 1 says, Come everyone and clap your hands for joy. Shout to God with joyful praise. The word joy jumps out at me. I'm reminded that God gives me joy and he desires for me to live a joy-filled life. This summer I've been writing lists of how God gives me joy. And this is slowly changing the way I think and the way I respond and the way I look at life. Here's a note from someone who benefited from the spiritual discipline of evangelism in someone else's life and they received an invite to Valley Point and here's what she says. My husband and I were invited for Christmas Eve services a couple of years ago and despite not wanting to come, right, don't you love that? <laughs> like, no, we weren't going to go. We didn't want that. Uh, we did. We came every Sunday after that and were baptized that spring. For me personally, I felt like a huge change happened almost immediately once I trusted in Christ. My whole attitude changed. I became a more open person. I gained strong friendships, and I responded more positively to everyone around me. My kids are being raised in the church, and I love to see how excited they are to come every Sunday to see their friends and learn about Jesus' love for them. Valley Point and our life group have given us a sense of community that we just didn't have before. What would I say to others is invite, invite, invite. You never know what you could do for someone's life if they walk through those doors just once. Isn't that powerful? There's somebody else who says kind of the same thing. The greatest gift you can give anyone is an introduction to God. These were words Eric used one Sunday, and I realized how thankful I am to my friend who never stopped inviting me to church even though I felt God couldn't love me. She never let it go. And finally, it sunk in. There's nothing that I can do to make God love me. And she goes on to say, the Sunday Eric talked about how tasty God's words are. I thought of my own analogy. I like chocolate ice cream. So, of course, I'd want to enjoy it again and again. He suggested that is how we feel the more we read God's word. We just want more and more. Every week, there's always a suggestion to read scripture during the week and not make it only a Sunday occurrence. He suggested possibly scheduling a time each day to read. I tried, but it didn't work for me. Right? Again, I love the honesty. Gave it a shot. Wasn't happening. I was kind of wondering where this email was going to go. But then she said, you know, I allowed other things to take precedence. The Sunday he suggested we read a part of Psalm 119 each day. I looked at my husband and said, let's do it. And he readily agreed. This is such a great way to start our day in God's word and what it means to each of us. I like how this is bringing us closer to each other and closer to God. If we are both chasing God, we will both grow closer together and I can see that happening and loving every minute of it. Since then, we have continued our daily reading of the Bible. I seem to get caught up in the reading. Today, we decided to read all of Daniel 6 and I have no idea how Daniel came out alive without a scratch. I share these notes with you because I want all of us just to get a sense that spiritual disciplines can change us. And it's not easy, and it's not simple, and it requires work and effort on our part, but when we go there and we dive in, it's true, 
that we can have a there's more kind of friendship with God and we can live this abundant kind of life that Jesus said, this is my purpose. This is why I came and it's what I want them, my sheep, to have and enjoy. A couple of questions. Does this really matter? We've given our whole summer to thinking about eight different disciplines. And we're about to move on and start another series, and I'm really excited about that and looking forward to the great things that God is going to do in this place as we begin a new ministry season. But I don't want us to forget about this stuff. So does it really matter that we've taken time to drill down and say, let's work at this, let's get disciplined? Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. It matters a whole lot. And here's why. Because this keeps our conscience, that inner compass and guide, in tune with where God wants to take us. And when we practice these disciplines and when we get better at them, it keeps this compass, this thing inside of us, that guide in tune with God and we'll be walking with him. Listen, I know I'm not very good at these things, honestly. I I look at the list, and it's a challenge, and it's a struggle, and I know I probably should be better because I'm a pastor and a leader, and I should have these things down, but it is difficult, and it is challenging, and so I've just taken a step back as I have reviewed all of this and put this challenge together to say, I know I must improve and I must get better because if I don't tune this inner guide and compass to where God is taking me, I'm not going to be a good parent, I'm not going to be an effective leader, and I'm not going to be the person God wants me to be, and I'll have nothing to give to you. And that frightens me, frightens me. And that should frighten you too. And so if we want our inner guide and our inner compass in tune with where God wants to take us, guess what helps us to get there? Spiritual disciplines. And so does it matter? Yeah, it matters. It's important. It's vitally important. Second question, what about going forward? Well, I would encourage this. Keep it simple and focus your attention, perhaps, on one discipline. See, what happens is we get to the end of a series like this, and we say, well, i got to do all eight things, right? And it becomes overwhelming, and that's a big list. And since I can't do all eight, well, I just won't do anything at all. That's kind of how we think. So I would encourage you to keep it simple. Pick one discipline. Work at it. Spend some time on it. Practice. And then when you get a little bit better, pick another one. And shine the light on that and practice and get disciplined and then keep moving forward because, again, this is what tunes our inner guide to where God wants to take us. So keep it simple. I have just one takeaway for today, and that is let's get serious about following Jesus, okay? Let's just do that. This is not a game. It should be so much more than just a Sunday thing. Let's get serious about following Jesus. And I believe we should want that and we can want that because Jesus said, and we've read it, this is what he's promised to us. I came, my purpose is for you to have a rich and a satisfying life, an abundant kind of life. So when we get serious about following Jesus, that can happen. 
We're embarking on a new season. September is almost here. Summer is almost over. School is about to begin. And the grind is almost here. Are you ready for the grind? And would you say that your spiritual tank is full? Are you ready for that? Because the grind of life has a way of chipping away at us and causing us to get into some very dark places where we're all on our own. That's the grind. So to prepare for a new season and the grind and all the stuff that chips away at us, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. And let's just get serious about following Jesus because he wants us to have this rich and satisfying life. So I want to say, as parents, let's get serious and let's practice spiritual disciplines because when that happens, we will lead much more effectively. Men, practice spiritual disciplines and let's not be passive spiritually. Women, practice spiritual disciplines and lead wherever it is that God places you. Students, practice spiritual disciplines. You have no idea how much God wants to use you in your schools and in the places where you travel to be an incredibly bright light. Singles, practice spiritual disciplines and know that God will give you a level of satisfaction that you probably never knew existed. Church, let's practice spiritual disciplines. And here's why. Because outside of here, outside of the safety of this room and this place, are thousands of people who desperately need a faith community who will be the hands and the feet of Jesus and compassionately love. And that will not happen if we don't tune our inner compass to where God wants to take us through these spiritual disciplines. If you're interested in a life that's worth living, think about that. If you're interested in a life that is worth living with Jesus leading the way and guiding you, spiritual disciplines. Because Jesus said, my purpose is not to steal, to kill, or to destroy. My purpose, perisos, my purpose is to give you an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. That's what waits for us. Father, we're thankful for our time today and just this wonderful verse in John chapter 10 gives us a picture of what Jesus wanted for us. And while it's short and simple, it is packed with unbelievable truth. And so God, I just pray that as we move on with our summer and as we embark on a new season, that you'd help us not to forget about the different things that we have discussed. God, I pray that it would be more than intellectual information. God, I pray that it would be stuff that we actually do. God, I pray for Valley Point that we would more than just hear about these disciplines, but that we would be so moved and so challenged by this abundant life that you want us to enjoy as a result of following you, the Good Shepherd, that we would just dive in and we would practice and we would get disciplined and we would give the right amount of time to seriously following you. Knowing God, 
knowing that you're going to use each and every one of us as women and men and students, as families, as singles, as those who struggle, those who don't have it all together, those who are sometimes very messy with our lives. God, you'll use us. You'll use us when we practice these things and truly follow after you. So God, help us to do that. I pray that you'd start in me. Help me to do that. Help me to improve and lead this effort here at Valley Point Church so that we can show the communities around us our incredible love for them and how we want to serve them and love them without expecting anything in return. God, help us in turn then to run to the messes to avoid it, but to do what you did and to serve in humility, to place others above ourselves. God, this can all happen when we get disciplined. So help us to do that, God, so we can have a there's more kind of friendship with you. God, as we respond to you now and internalize these words, God, help us to be ready to be obedient to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School from 9.15 or 11 a.m.